Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another edition of Kappa Press. Uh, my name is Dinesh Ravandran, and uh, I'm part of the marketing team at Paperfly. Uh, I'll be the host for this episode titled, uh, How to Build Your Marketing Superhero Suit. Uh, and as a guest speaker for this one, I have with me today, uh, Juin Tan. Uh, Juin is currently heading the marketing portfolio at Superhands, but that's only part of what she does. She's an Olympic weightlifter, and uh, she's doing phenomenal strides out there. Uh, Joanne is an infinite learner. She's also trying to sharpen her skills in the AI and machine learning philosophy. Uh, she's got abundance of things to talk about for today's uh, episode, and uh, we'll get started. Uh, um, thanks a lot for joining today's webinar, Joanne. Um, it's a, it's a Really, it's a real pleasure to have you with us. And uh, the topic, as such, is like super interesting. And I was like so thrilled to talk about marketing superhero suit, right? So straight off the bat, uh, join DC or Marvel. There is more than one right oh, answer. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for the nice introduction. I don't. I think this is the first time people have actually mentioned my Olympic weightlifting, and it's something that I'm really, really passionate about. So thank you so much for mentioning that. Um, back to your question, DC or Marvel? I don't like to pick. I like them both for very different things. I suppose if it comes to the movies, then you would have to. Um, well, the live-action movies anyways, you would need to give it to Marvel. I think they've done a great job. Um, with DC, I do tend to prefer actually just watching the cartoons or reading the comic books. Um, my brother actually had a lot of Batman comic books growing up, as, uh, and I never read any Marvel comic books at all. So, you know, I think they both have their own strengths. I don't want to pick. I like them both. <laughs> Oh, that's a great uh, response uh, to it. If you ask me, I I'd be like Marvel over DC, but Batman over anybody else. Yeah, I think that's generally the case. Uh, I actually grew up really idolizing Wonder Woman as well. It's, I, I think that's quite normal for, for a girl, right? Um, yeah. And I have two Wonder Woman t-shirts as well. So wow. I'd be the loser walking around with Wonder Woman t-shirts after the gym. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, uh, good for Marvel. Now they have Captain Marvel as well. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah, she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Joanne. I hear you there. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that was a good start. So, uh, Joanne, um, the topic is uh, uh, very interesting and you've written uh, quite a bit about it, right? Like in terms of honing your own special skill. Mm -hmm. So uh, would you like to just give a very quick introduction in terms of how do you think the superpower is essential for every marketer out there in the market, uh, uh, Well. Well, first of all, I think, um, you know, when I look at the typical build of a marketing team, uh, this is regardless of whether it's B2B or B2C, it consists of so many different disciplines. You have your writers, your content marketers, you have someone doing PR or branding, uh, you have your performance marketers or your growth marketers. And in nowadays, in most B2B tech companies, you have product marketing as well. And this is just, I would say, the very basic type of setup for most marketing teams. It gets even more complex and diverse as the company scales. And one thing that I've learned throughout my 
um, time leading the team is that every one of them has a completely different set of skills. They all need to complement each other in very different ways. So I kind of see that as, you know, putting together a superhero squad, essentially. And well, I find that really different from how other teams tend to be built. Um, and I use, I, I would say that our best counterpart is the sales team. You know, when you talk to the sales team, uh, it, you, they usually have the business development reps and the SDRs and or sales development reps. And sometimes the SDRs do actually report to marketing as well. But generally, when I see them having their learning sessions or their coaching sessions, they tend to cover this very similar topics. I can't do that with um, a marketing team. I can't talk about performance ad buying with a PR or media person because they don't need that sort of skill. So um, that's why I find this this concept of um, identifying marketing superpowers so so fun and so unique. And when you take it even deeper in, within the B two C versus B two B context, it's even more diverse. Very interesting, uh, Joanne. I, I never looked at it like a, a superhero squad, right? So that's that's pretty interesting thought. So, what do you think is is like the most uh, the desirable superpower uh, or your favorite or most desirable superpower for you, uh, Joanne? Well, this is looking at the way uh, my, the marketing industry is actually going towards or the marketing skill. Well, first thing I always look out for is I need someone who is very data driven. And the reason why I say this is because, you know, people want to see the impact that marketing is making on a business and they don't want to just hear about, you know, what the campaign is about. They want to hear the results of the campaign. They want to see how this will actually bring in more customers or clients. So being data-driven is actually my number one most important uh, trait that I look out for, regardless of which role they're in. I also really appreciate people who are concise. I think when someone tends to, I guess the right term would be waffle around a particular topic, personally, that's a bit of a pet peeve for me. And you know, with so much marketing messaging going around these days, you just want to you just want the people to get straight to the point in a way that is um, that packages your entire product offering in the shortest amount of sentence. I think that genuinely takes um, really really good skills. And uh, something fun that I actually learned in my previous job, my boss was a um, he was an analyst for mm-hmm. the financial industry, so he had to summarize pages and pages of financial or industry reports into very, very short paragraphs or sentences for his bosses. So he was the one that actually taught me how to summarize things without losing the most important bits of information. And I actually found that skill really useful in marketing. Um, And the last one is listening slash observation. I don't understand marketers who are stubborn and don't know how to listen because it is our job to you know, provide value to our customers or clients. And if you don't listen to them or if you don't observe how they behave or how they react to your service or your products, then how are you going to know what is it that you're going to say to them? You're going to end up selling them or pushing them product A when really they're interested in product C or D. So that's, uh, I would say those are the most three most important skills that I look out for. Fantastic, uh, Joy. 
Uh, I love the the second part, right? Uh, being concise. That's the hardest thing to be, right? Like you you try to gobble up so much and uh, you don't know where to cut short. And uh, that's that's brilliant. Uh, um, and uh, I'm sure you learned it from a good uh, good person as well in terms of how to con consolidate the entire set of paragraphs into single. Mm -hmm. You do a, a probably a complete webinar around that, Chivin. Uh, it, it's a very very skill that it's a uh, that, that's like almost a science with art. You can combine both of them together to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so how effective are you there, Joanne, uh, uh, to concise stuff, things? I try. I, I try a lot, and I, I would say I'm a lot better now than I was when I first started working um, in my previous job. Uh, and I'd like to do this by. Oh, how do I describe it? I do this both in my written and spoken word. I think it's gotten to a point now where my brain tries to summarize what I'm trying to say before I even say it. And sometimes, obviously this doesn't work out all the time, but sometimes I do tend to catch myself in the middle of me trying to explain something and then I will go, oh wait, hang on, stop, let me rewind. And yeah. let me re-explain what I'm trying to say. And then I'll say it again in a much more concise manner. And if the person gets it, then that's where I tend to stop and not, you know, not try and explain any further. But if they don't, then there's always that room for them to ask me to elaborate. So I, I don't know on a scale of 1 to 10 how I would grade myself. But I would think I'm pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's very good, uh, Joanne. I, I still have to really work on that part. Uh, I tend to think as I speak and... Uh, uh, it's very hard to just kind of get to the point when I mm -hmm. kind of scramble with the thoughts all around, right? So uh, that's a skill probably I think I have to cultivate and not just me, a lot of marketers out there have to cultivate. Uh, yeah, what are the most hardest skills to attain uh, in, in the field of marketing, uh, Joanne, according to you? And uh, uh, how do you kind of suggest we go about doing that? That's a two-part question. Okay, so the harder skill, I've had some time to think about it when you shared this with me. And, you know, it's not necessarily a technical skill. I believe with technical skills, there's always existing frameworks uh, and I guess certain flows that you can follow. And it just takes a matter of, well, everything takes a matter of practice. But for me, with, if it's a technical skill, you can most definitely pick it up. But what I've seen my team over the years struggle with the most and I think marketing people in general have to struggle with this the most is facing very brutal feedback from their peers or from the public. Unfortunately, it's the nature of being in marketing is that everything that we do is out there for people to see and comment on and critique and it's one of those crafts that I feel people have not yet come to realize just how much technique or skill that is required into it. I often face people assuming that marketing is just pushing out campaigns or pushing out ads and there's not much science to it. But there's actually, you know, especially in B2B, um, there's so much data and experimentation that goes into it that it's really something that I've seen my team struggle with is when someone just comes up to them and says, oh, why didn't you do it this way or that way? And this person can come from zero marketing knowledge or background. And 
it's one thing for me to have to keep continuously coaching them on this is how you would respond to someone coming up to you uh, to give you this feedback. And sometimes they don't necessarily sugarcoat that feedback. And again, you know, I have many conversations with um, our head of sales or our CRO about this. You know, when you run, say, a sales team uh, or a salesperson, when they conduct a sales, you don't constantly have an entire room full of people sitting there and listening to how they, how they send their pitch across. With marketing, when we produce a use case, when we produce a deck, the people on the receiving end are going to critique it. The people internally are going to critique it. So it's a lot. Uh, for someone to take in and I see this taking a toll a lot and that's why when we come to coaching uh, marketing teams I think this is actually one of the hardest things to coach them about and it's just through a lot of practice it's a lot of counseling almost to to, to tell them and to teach them that you know there are some feedbacks that you can listen to and you don't have to listen to all of it and just being able to identify which ones are important and which ones aren't that's and another, another skill set of its own as well. That's that's really a good uh, um, pointer to take away, uh, Joey. Um, and also, uh, I think it also depends on the the kind of people whom you interact with and the global uh, audience, right? Like for example, Germans. Uh, my super boss was uh, a German in my previous company. Uh, he seldom has a, a filter uh, when he's kind of giving a criticism, right? Uh, it comes across very harsh, uh, whereas Italians usually uh, have very friendly and uh, uh, a colorful way of saying things. And uh, but both of them give the same feedback, and it, the perception is completely different. How you perceive it, so that's a that's a brilliant point in terms of how to handle criticisms and feedback. Uh, uh, what kind of coaching do you uh, give uh, to your team, uh, Joanne? I wouldn't say it's the same for all of them. Uh, they all struggle or they all go through very different experiences. So for example, when I first brought up a, or started building out a product marketing division within uh, the Superhands marketing team, product marketers are one really, really hard to find in Malaysia because the role itself is still really new. The tech industry itself is still pretty young. So both of the new product marketers that I brought in, they didn't come from a product marketing background. They came from, you know, one was running more of a performance marketing division with her previous job. And the more junior guy, he was from an agency where he did more video, uh, video shoots, video editing. And so bringing them into the product marketing role, a lot of that coaching was revolving around essentially taking ownership of the different uncertainties that come with introducing a new role into the organization and even within the marketing team as well. They needed to understand how to handle different friction points within um, just the team. And they also needed to understand how the different ways to communicate with other teams. So with product marketing, there is, I kind of see them as the bridge between the marketing team or even the sales team and the tech team. So these guys need to learn how to speak two different languages. Talking to someone in tech is extremely different from talking to someone in sales. Uh, 
you need more concision when you talk to someone in sales. They don't have time to sit around and listen to your stories. Whereas when it comes to talking to someone in tech, they need to listen. They like data. They like more tangible things. So how do you marry those two brains together to build up different materials or demos or, or pitch decks in a way that would then appeal to the target client? I think that is, um, you know, a very unique set of brains that you need to work with and then that's something that is that I don't need to work with when it comes to um, the, 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 the girl that's running our brand and PR so on her side of things when you talk about branding they're often struggling with attribution with marketing impact uh, because branding is such a, you know, we're talking about uh, in terms of a funnel, they're all the way at the top of the funnel and they don't often get to see the results of their work being directly translated to a very specific client um, being closed. So that coaching is more along the lines of helping them identify these are the different things that you are doing and it's okay if you don't feel like you are contributing to this particular client because here I am and we are going to help you attribute different types of weightages to the work that you are doing here. And you don't need to compare yourself to the product marketing team because they're doing something completely different. So it really just depends on the individual and obviously uh, their experience level and seniority also comes to play. So everybody that I have a one-on-one with gets a completely different experience. Uh, it's again, all about as a team lead or as a manager, it's all about listening and understanding them, uh, seeing what the gaps are, what their needs are, and how I can help them fill up those gaps. Fantastic, uh, Joanne. Um, seldom do uh, marketeers uh, think of marketing as a function uh, that goes beyond the technology stack, right? Uh, uh, they do, uh, like for example, the software skills, uh, the creative part, but not the parts that you mentioned, right? The, that's actually quite wonderful. It's like you are truly building a superhero squad. Or if I can give a different analogy, it's like a Lego blocks, right? You're taking different Lego blocks and building a, a nice city together. That's fantastic, uh, uh, Joanne. And getting the right pieces at the right place is very important. And I think you are nailing that uh, uh, by the coaching. I hope so. <laughs> but I, like, I do like your analogy about the Lego blocks, actually, that... Um, that was something, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that I spoke about with uh, my BRO or Greg, who, you know, I remember telling him at the start of last year about building out the marketing team and trying to identify what roles we needed. And this was something that was so intangible back then. I only had two people under the team and I had absolutely no idea how to manage someone in product marketing or how to manage someone in branding and you know when fast forward a year later or earlier this year suddenly the team doubled in size and I had all these new functions under me and he actually said something on the, along the lines of okay you have all your lego pieces now you can start actually building out that that little structure whatever it is <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, uh, that's that's very important, uh, Joanne. Um, especially for me, uh, when I come from uh, a large organization uh, where branding was the key uh, into a, a SaaS-based product organization where uh, lead generation and revenue are the key uh, metrics, right? 
the thought process and the variations that you bring to the table, uh, it's completely different. Um, so some of the stories that you narrate is, is something that I can just directly plug and play, right? So uh, especially when it comes to product marketing, right? So that, that's that's a delight uh, to uh, hear those thoughts, uh, Joey. So um, if with the with great powers comes uh, great responsibility, right? Uh, that's that's like a famous superhero quip. That's like the most famous uh, superhero Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think are some of the, the greater responsibilities that we as marketers uh, need to score uh, in, in the industry and in, within the organization, Joey? Um, Definitely being authentic and delivering value. For me, those are very important because I remember when I first graduated, so I didn't graduate with a marketing degree. I did something very Asian parent friendly. <laughs> I actually studied um, mathematics. And when I came out and told my parents that I was interested in working in marketing, my dad was actually quite against it. I remember really clearly that he said, um, you know, marketing is just lying to the people. And this was when, I guess, digital marketing was still in its infancy. You didn't have all of the AI and MarTech that we have now. Right. So his association with marketing was just billboard ads or um, newspaper ads, TV ads, you know, the, the, the on-ground stuff. And I didn't listen to him. I just, I, I just went straight into my first job in marketing and have been in marketing ever since. But that phrase that he said always stuck with me. And I always made sure that, you know, I guess in a way, I just wanted to prove him wrong, that you can be a good marketer without essentially lying to your consumers. And this is something that I constantly preach to the team. Um, and we don't, it's always about delivering value first. What can you provide to the consumer or the client that will genuinely improve their lives or the situation that they're in? Um, how do you iron out all the different friction points that they have? And this is something that actually go, I guess maybe to give you guys a little bit of credit, when we had that demo with you, with Paperfly, um, you actually address uh, the very specific, I guess, friction points or pain points that I had. And this is what I appreciate about good marketing or good sales teams. You're not trying to shove a solution in someone's face, even if they may not need it. You're not trying to hard sell. In fact, I make it a point to have, I would say, 95% of our content not contain any sort of hard selling messaging whatsoever because for me it's you know if you're a genuine brand and if you create genuine people or genuine sales teams or you know when you go out for an interviews you it, it, it just comes out and that is what draws people in and knowing how to harness that I would say is a very important collective superpower of a marketing team but on the flip side I guess if you are not being a responsible marketer, you would then know how to create this persona that may come off as genuine. 
and use that to manipulate how others think of you instead. So I guess it works both ways. And this is where, you know, I try my best to you know, preach the constant message of not all marketers are liars. Some of us really, really care about what we do and we're not here to, you know, con you into build it, buying our product. If you don't need it, then that's fine. It's not personal. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, very true, uh, Joel. Uh, I, I remember my first job uh, was uh, rather the internship was at uh, Wipro Consumer Can Lightning. They, they sell soaps uh, and detergents and so on. And uh, uh, the VP of sales asked us, uh, when would you uh, stop selling our brand or our, our, our products, right? Uh, and he said, there's only one answer to this. And uh, a lot of us gave a different variation of a response. And he said, uh, you should stop selling the product when the product is not, is not of right quality. So when you think it's a substandard product, at any given point of time, you should stop selling it. So that's exactly what, uh, you kind of gave in, right? Uh, when you think you're not doing the right things, you should stop doing it. That's that's uh, that's a really hard-hitting takeaway there, uh, Joanne. Mm -hmm. I do know of some people who are in marketing or sales teams in their respective companies, and they don't even use their own product, nor do they really believe in it. And every time you talk to them, they're just reading off a script, and it's just so cold and boring and it really comes out is you just don't want to listen to them at all right absolutely uh, can't agree with you uh, there so um probably uh, one more question before we get to the final one uh joanne uh, time actually goes so fast this is supposed to be uh, i, I it, it feels it feels like we just started but uh, but that's good <laughs> joanne so um earlier this year um when the pandemic just started, uh, the Association of uh, National Advertisers, ANA, uh, found that nine out of 10 marketeers have adopted their creative strategies uh, that go, goes along with COVID-19. And uh, they plan to make uh, similar uh, alterations after the pandemic uh, is behind us as well, right? So where do you see, see the future of uh, marketing creatives heading uh, to it? And uh, what do you think uh, we as the superhero marketing squad are uh, responsible for uh, the changes? Uh, well, the funny thing is, is that when COVID first hit, obviously the first thing to go was a marketing budget. And this was, I'm sure this was the case for not just me, but for a lot of marketing teams across different industries. And I think going into next year, as we slowly start recovering our businesses and our revenue, the fun thing is, is that we are starting to be pickier about where is it that we are putting our marketing dollars and cents. And this is in places where I can see we can define the weightage or attribution of um, different impacts of different activities more. And that makes it really exciting for me because then I can have something really tangible to define or, or measure the, the activity that we are doing as a team. Previously, you know, when you're running so many different campaigns at the same time and you know, it's easy to, uh, I, I suppose, as a startup as well, once you start being able to handle bigger budgets, you get really excited and you try and 
compete with um, competitors who are much bigger, who've been around for much longer. And you don't often tend to be as picky about, you know, where that money is going. But scaling back, I think it's, it's interesting to see even the bigger companies being more selective with that now. Uh, even with the, the tech that we are investing in, we want to make sure that we get the full use out of it. And yeah, I'm just really excited about the amount of science and data that is going to go into marketing moving forward. I think people are going to be a lot smarter with what they do because even on the receiving end of these marketing messages, you know, all we have for the last few months are our screens, our laptop screens, our television, our phones, and we have become just really tired about people shoving products in our faces more so than usual. So then it forces marketing teams to, again, be more authentic and more genuine with what they're pushing out. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think people are starting to, or teams are starting to realize that you need to start delivering value first before you expect someone else or, or your target to give you their money. And as a receiver of such value, I enjoy it. I think that's great. I would love to get some free value from whatever product or brand um, that I endorse before I actually give them, um, you know, my money, especially in an economy where it's, it's still a little bit unpredictable. So authenticity and value for sure is, um, I would say, the bigger superpowers going forward into next year. Fantastic, uh, Joanne. Um... And uh, that, that also kind of brings the uh, interesting analogy uh, with super hands, right? When uh, one of uh, our marketing uh, member, I mean, a content marketer registered for super hands, you even mentioned that uh, the product probably may not be the right fit for you. So when to say no is like another superpower, right? And uh, that is like a very hard thing as well. Uh, not, a lot of us don't have that. We tend to just go with the flow, make sure that people are aware of our product, and then we get to a stage when it, the fit is not right. So, when to say no, learning, knowing when to say no is uh, is another important thing, and that kind of spins into your uh, the, the point that you just mentioned. Uh, yes, exactly. I think some people are just a bit too afraid to turn away revenue, even though the revenue may not make sense for your company. And it's it's tough, especially as a startup, because you want to you you want to feel that every single cent counts at this current point in time. But sometimes it's just a matter of you know if you keep trying to force certain types of revenue that come to come in, even though there's no fit for your company, you're gonna end up wasting not just your time but the other person's time as well. Yeah. And that's just not cool. <laughs> you don't want to do that to someone else. Um. Excellent, uh, Joanne. So uh, that brings us to the last question. Uh, if you would like to summarize uh, a few key superpowers to build uh, your own superhero suit, uh, what would those be? Uh, we discussed a lot of them, but if you could just bring it down again for as a summary, it'll be fantastic, Joanne. So One help you. major, okay. Um, the most important superpower as a marketing person in this day and age is the power to unlearn things. And what I mean by that is it is a very, it's a constantly evolving discipline. Whatever I learned about marketing 10 years ago does not apply anymore. 
So having that ability to put down what you thought you knew and feeling like you are starting from scratch again, that is very useful as a marketer to have. And secondly, I think to have that ability to reflect on your wins and your losses. And what I mean by that is keep reviewing what you have done well and use that to identify the skills that you are good at and lock, I would say lock that into your own personal baseball card as, you know, different traits and make you a unique, not just a marketing person, but also an individual within an organization. I actually used to keep a log of things I did well and things where I kind of slipped up. And I would just write down um, different instances and try to identify why were these things, why did these things go so well and why didn't these things go so well? So at least I can, I know what I need to work on. And when someone asks me, you know, what are your strengths? I can pretty much have it straight there already. So in a way, I'm constantly also working on my CV (laughs) without realizing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Super. Uh, That's fantastic, uh, Juwin. I think uh, it was a fantastic uh, podcast. I learned a lot, a lot of uh, superpowers that uh, people have to harness. Um, In fact, uh, if I can just go back to one of the posts, uh, the the 10 things to learn from your waitlisting, uh, waitlisting, you mentioned about uh, adapt or die, right? And uh, just changing the position of your thumb, you were able to completely let go of your... Uh, that was like, wow, that's that's not many people. How you were able to give an analogy to the real life, right? That, that's true. A uh, lot of instances, you just change a small bit of it and uh, the, the reflection is huge. So... Uh, exactly. Yeah, people usually think that you, in order to improve something, you have to throw everything into the bin and then start all over again. But sometimes just making the smallest adjustments and iterations make all the difference. And I think that's the beauty of approaching marketing with a very scientific mindset as well. You know, if you recall the experiments that we used to do in school, where you would just change one variable and you end up with a completely different set of results. I think that's that's amazing. And that's something that people need to not worry about so much just do the little things first and sometimes they yield a lot of a lot more results than you think lovely uh, that's fantastic join uh, thank you so much thanks a lot for being a part of this uh, podcast uh, and uh, i'm sure we will do a lot more uh, together not just the podcast it could be webinars events uh, you are so fascinating to uh, hear and uh, so it's, it's real pleasure uh, Joanne. thank you oh, so thank much. you I had fun. Thank you so much for inviting me.